BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And welcome, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Glad you're along for the ride. By the way, I think today we're going to give out free balloons. That's right, free balloons uh, to folks who can say the word hydroxychloroquine five times in a row without messing up. So good luck. Um, don't know how we're going to quite measure that uh, since it's a podcast, but, you know, do it, you know, uh, in the privacy of your own uh, home uh, and then maybe send me a video clip. And and if I choose you, uh, you'll win five balloons because that's pretty much what our budget here uh, can afford. But hey, the budget, uh, we're busting the budget uh, on this podcast because on the podcast today, White House Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany. I've known her for a while. Uh, you might have heard about her. Uh, she's the one, you know, in the White House briefing room, uh, giving the media a bit of a hard time. They're not quite sure uh, what hit them exactly. And we're going to get into some of that with Kaylee McEnany today. So here's the deal. Uh, this interview happened late Tuesday afternoon uh, over at the uh, old executive office building on White House grounds in the Secretary of War room. I must tell you, it was very impressive. I felt very, very important. Then I left the room. Didn't feel so important, but that's a separate uh, psychological issue. Uh, we had about 30 minutes with her. We're only going to bring you about 10 of it today because the rest of the interview, we'll share it with you next week when we do this big profile on Kaylee McEnany on CBN and the 700 Club. And of course, you will see uh, all of that or hear all of that here on the podcast and some of it on Just the News. Dot com. So uh, it was at the secret. It was in the Secretary of War room. Thirty minutes. Um, we talked about news of the day, which is what you'll hear today. We'll talk about Obamagate. We'll talk about hydroxychloroquine. Thank you very much. I'm not going to say it five times. Uh, we'll talk about media bias and this idea about whether or not Donald Trump has been put in the White House by God for such a time as this. Also, she gets very emotional when she talks about really a mentor to her, uh, Ravi Zacharias, and what that Christian apologist who just passed away of cancer uh, this past week, what he meant uh, in her Christian walk, her Christian faith walk. So, all of that on the podcast today. Uh, let me just say uh, that she has a very, very impressive resume. I mean, uh, so she went to Catholic prep uh, school in Tampa. That's where she is from, born and raised. But then she goes over to Georgetown University's um, International Politics School. That's what she major majored in, international politics. Uh, then, oh, she studied abroad at Oxford. Very, very nice, by the way. I'm sure she had tea, afternoon tea over there. Um, then she goes to the University of Miami School of Law. And by the way, she wins this award for the top 1% of students in the class. Uh, so impressive there. And then, oh, so then she transfers to Harvard Law School. So she's already in the top 1% of Miami Law School. And then, you know what? I think I'll go to Harvard. So there she is at Harvard. Uh, and so she's got quite the stellar resume. The media is finding out that she is a bulldog, but she does it with a smile. I kind of like to call her uh, Sarah Sanders with an exclamation point. You know, Sarah Sanders was bless your heart media. 
Kelly McEnany is bless your heart with an exclamation point, maybe two, uh, and that's what they're experiencing. As a matter of fact, I want to play you a little bit of a clip from her first White House briefing. I, I'm not sure if it was her first one. It might have been a first or second, but she was asked by uh, Jeff Mason uh, from Reuters News Agency about this idea that uh, according to the media, that she got all of this wrong with the coronavirus, that she said it wasn't going to come to uh, America, that Donald Trump wouldn't let that happen. So they kind of try to call her out on this and watch how she turns the tables, get ready for the Mack truck. Her name is Kaylee McEnany. Here is that exchange. Um, Kaylee, in a previous life, before you were press secretary, you worked for the campaign. And you made a comment, I believe, on Fox, in which you said President Trump will not allow the coronavirus to come to this country. Given what has happened since then, obviously, would you like to take that back? Well, first, let me note, I was asked a question um, on Fox Business about President's travel restrictions. I noted what was the intent behind those travel restrictions, which is we will not see the coronavirus come here. We will not see terrorism come here, referring to an earlier set of travel restrictions. I guess I would turn the question back on the media and ask similar questions. Does Vox want to take back that they proclaim that the coronavirus would not be a deadly pandemic? Does the Washington Post want to take back that they told Americans to get a grip, the flu is bigger than the coronavirus? Does the Washington Post likewise want to take back that our brains are causing us to exaggerate the threat of the coronavirus? Does the New York Times want to take back that fear of the virus may be spreading faster than the virus itself? Does NPR want to take back that the flu was a much bigger threat than the coronavirus? And finally, once again, the Washington Post, would they like to take back that the government should not respond aggressively to the coronavirus? I'll leave you with those questions and maybe you'll have some answers in a few days. You know, I feel like after that exchange, which, by the way, I believe she literally dropped the mic and said, I'm out, media. See you later. All right. She didn't drop the mic. But I, I feel like we need some gladiator music when she comes in or leaves, you know, doom, 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 doom. you know, Mel Gibson, Braveheart, the whole thing. Uh, we've got some of that in the budget today, as you hear behind me uh, or beneath me. Um, and so so this is the music that I suggest she play at all of her briefings. Uh, it, it can happen during the briefing. Uh, maybe before, but definitely after where she has that drop mic moment. I'm out. I'm getting a latte. See y'all later. Uh, but look, she has a Christian witness to her and a wonderful Christian story. We're going to get more into that next week. But I, I did ask her a question and I want to play this for you. This is from our interview um, at, at the old executive office building the other day on Tuesday, where I asked her about Ravi Zacharias. He's the Christian apologist um, who passed away uh, of cancer. Uh, he was in his early 70s, and he really made an impact on her. And when I asked the question, wasn't quite sure what reaction we were going to get, but um, she got emotional. And when you hear some of the pause in the middle of this or towards the beginning, uh, that's when she kind of teared up. And this really got to her. And I want you to listen because it's very important to understand Kaylee McEnany is to understand her Christian walk. Here it is. Can I ask you a personal question about Ravi Zacharias mm -hmm. uh, passing away uh, just in the last 24 hours or so? I know uh, his teachings were so important to you, especially at Oxford. You, you've mentioned this. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what he meant to you personally and, and the loss for the Christian community? Yeah, it's a huge loss. You know, my dad said to me um, that Billy Graham was a great evangelist. And I think Robbie Zacharias is the great apologist. Yeah. I know this is tough. I, I know. Just... Yeah. 
We don't have to cry because we're Christians, so we know he's going to pay our bills. Yeah, I mean, we're human the last time I checked. But the tears come from, from, from what? what? What what was it that, because it, it feels like Oxford and you, you, your development of your faith. Yeah, and, and you know, Robbie's someone that I never met. I knew his, I know his team, um, and I know some of those who are around him. But, you know, for me as a Christian, I always had the heart for Jesus Christ that I got at a very young age. Um, I was saved when I was, you know, in my teens. But to have someone who, from an academic place, as an apologist, could equip you with those arguments where you didn't have to check your brain at the door when you became a Christian, where there is intellectual foundation for everything we believe. Right. There's prophecy, there's the human cell, there's the amazing creation of the human body and all of its complexity and the planet, the universe. And he put a philosophical and academic rationale for the heart that I had for Christ, but gave me the ability to go to Oxford, where there are renowned atheist scholars who try to say there's there's no intellectual undergirding for Christianity. Ravi Zacharias, who happened to have an office at Oxford, uh, was the person who provided the counter to that, um, the the intelligence behind why we believe what we believe. And you know, your mind can never get you fully there. Uh, it's a place only your heart can take you. But Ravi Zacharias provided those steps to um, put in the minds of an academic, wow, I, sh I should give the Christian faith some thought. And, you know, Ravi, he means so much. As I was saying earlier, you know, Billy Graham was the great evangelist. Ravi Zacharias is a great apologist. And, you know, I think the words um, that were at the very bottom of the announcement today of his passing are, are so important. He had a verse there and it said, because I live, you also will live, John 14, 19. And they said that these seven words changed Robbie's life 57 years ago. Um, he was on a bed of suicide, as he described it. And it was a Bible that was handed to him, and those words in particular that set him on a 57-year path that has truly saved lives. I, um, on Sunday, watched a sermon knowing, you know, Robbie was in a tough spot and um, was no longer getting treatment. So my, I had my daughter on my lap, and so we were watching that. the sermon, yeah, with of Robbie, and my husband was there, my mother-in-law was there. Um, and it was a sermon about purpose. And it was a sermon about how every human life has a purpose. You are here for a reason. Every life matters. And it's about finding that purpose. And um, just hearing him speak and hearing those words was so meaningful. And it was in um, that sermon, I believe, where he shared the story of a CNN sportscaster who was living a profligate lifestyle um, and making bad decisions in life, but changed his life and found his purpose and found a family and became a Christian and got very sick. Um, and when he was on his deathbed, um, the CNN sportscaster said that um, he was just really in search of God and really in search of finding Christ and hearing from Christ as he was about to leave behind his little daughter. And he said, Jesus, he saw a figure that is how he always imagined Jesus Christ would look like. And he said, who he had pictured was Jesus sat on the corner of his bed and said, tonight's not the night you will pass. And he had this distinct moment before he passed. And in watching Ravi describe that moment, um, knowing that he was probably in the next few days coming to his last moment, it just, it, it changed me once again to hear that and mm -hmm. to um, post the sermon on Twitter and have a user say, wow, I've never given Christianity a thought, but having watched what Ravi had to say, I may, I may have to give Christianity a thought. Um, so Ravi, his life may have ended, but his life continues in the next life. He is uh, someone I'll meet in heaven and rest assured his legacy uh, will always be here and he will continue to change lives. Kaylee McEnany keeping it real when talking about Ravi Zacharias and what he meant 
in her life. Look, uh, she is a born-again Christian, and you know what, media? Deal with it. Uh, She wears it on her sleeve. You don't like it? Oh, well. Uh, there's the door. No, I mean, she says it with a smile on her face. I mean, she wants people to come to Christ, but she's not going to be a doormat for the media or anybody else. We're going to hear more about all of that when we talk about Obamagate, when we talk about hydroxychloroquine, when we talk about media bias, and whether or not God put Donald Trump in the office for such a time as this, the White House, for such a time as this. Kayleigh McEnany addresses it all when we come back on The Pod's Honest Truth. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And welcome back, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. All right, time now for our interview with White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany. You heard a little bit earlier on. We're going to play more of an extended portion of it uh, now. The interview began, I should say, uh, when she walked into the room. Well, obviously, it began when she walked into the room. Hello. But what I was going to say when I rudely interrupted myself uh, is that we did the old COVID-19 elbow bump. That's how we greeted each other. Boom. Wanted to give her, you know, a handshake. No, none of that. COVID-19 elbow bump. And that is how it all began. We sat down in the chair. We talked about some profile stuff that we're working on uh, for CBN. And we'll have some on Just the News as well. But then we got into news of the day. And here is some of that. Clearly, God has impacted your life. And and here's Donald Trump as president of the United States. And just proving God has a sense of humor, that Donald Trump is president, it, who would have thunk it? Uh, but here he is. Uh, how do you see God kind of in, in all of that? The, this idea of providence and this idea that he, a lot of folks, I asked Sarah in that seat uh, a few years back that, you know, is Donald Trump put there by God for such a time as this, if you will? What's, what's kind of your feeling on that? Yeah, I think, look, prayer made a difference in this election. And that's not to say, I think God Put, not to say that he puts a certain political party in a certain place at a time, but I do believe certain people are meant to be in positions um, at a certain moment. And I do believe that President Trump is is the person meant for this moment. And I think prayer made a lot of difference um, in the election. I'll never forget Laura Trump. Um, I asked her, I was interviewing people for my book, and I said, what made the difference in the election? Without missing a beat, she said prayer. And I, I think that's right. I think um, you know that, that this country needed someone to fight for life, um, to fight for religious liberty, Um, And I believe that President Trump was that person, and he's done that with the judges he's put in place, um, you know, with uh, the Mexico City policy, ensuring federal dollars don't go to abortions, um, and mentioning religious liberty in his UN speech was was key. Um, There's just so much that he's done to fight for the Christian community. So I certainly believe that, you know, he's here at this moment for a time, as we all are. Some news of the day items for you. The uh, hydroxychloroquine. What do you know? I said it correctly. (laughs) Hydroxychloroquine. Um, I I know the media is dinging them up on this. um, And and you talked a little bit about about it earlier on Fox and Friends and some other places. But uh, just so I understand, what is, how how comfortable is the president with, with doing this? And did specifically the doctor 
prescribe it for him? Just on, on understanding. Yes, the doctor did prescribe it for him, um, and he took it after having several discussions with Dr. Connolly about its efficacy, um, and he believed that Dr. Connolly that the benefits outweighed the risk for um, the president. And you know, hydroxychloroquine. It's worth mentioning is a a drug that has been approved for at least three other conditions. Um, you know, malaria is one of them as a prophylaxis. I had someone in my office say, "Oh, I've taken this drug several times." ahead of um, me going to trips in places where there were malaria-heavy areas. Um, lupus is another example. So this is a drug that is out there that has been shown to be safe um, with these conditions. And, you know, there it, it was issued a... Um, a, a emergency use authorization to use this um, as you know essentially like a right to try so if you're someone who has this who's looking for a therapeutic who has COVID and is looking for a therapeutic um, hydroxychloroquine is something some doctors professed optimism about um, we know it's approved for other uses so you know you do have a, a right to try it in essence to reflect on the language of, of the president's previous legislation that gives people a right to try in the waning days of their life or when they're facing a, a fatal illness. Do you think the media is blowing this out of proportion. You got Neil Cavuto and Joe Scarborough and some others. And China, quite frankly, just called it what witchcraft. That the president's doing witchcraft from the Oval Office. Yeah, it's it's so unfortunate when you turn on the headlines and and turn on the TV in the morning, as I did this morning, um, watching a certain network, and to hear just complete misinformation about hydroxychloroquine. Um, you know, suggesting that it could be fatal for someone should they take it, um, and when in fact there are millions of Americans who take it for arthritis, for example. Um, you know, yes, it should always be something that's prescribed in the context of a doctor patient. No one should be taking this drug if not prescribed by a doctor. It's very important to say that. Only your doctor um, can, can uh, say that this is for you and prescribe it to you. Um, but nevertheless, to completely act as if this is some sort of poison when there are many, many Americans and many people around the world taking this for lupus and other illnesses, it just does more harm than good, uh, that kind of fear mongering, that kind of misinformation. So it's frustrating to turn it on uh, and to see that because it ultimately is very damaging. The, the criticism would be that uh, the, the FDA and the government, if you will, the federal government, uh, only recommends that it be taken in a hospital setting. So what, what's the... What's the reaction to that, the pushback about that criticism? So I talked to Dr. Hahn about that this morning from the FDA, um, and Dr. Hahn said first, you know, this is a drug that has a long safety profile. Um, it should always be prescribed from a doctor to a patient, uh, but has been shown to be safe. And I, I explicitly asked him, you know, what about outside of hospitals? And he said, yes, it's okay if a doctor prescribes it to you um, in your ordinary point of care. Um, you know, that is an acceptable um, way to go about this. I think what what is being mistaken is the fact that there was a safety notification put out um, based on a study that was not a clinical study. Um, it was not a VA study either, but it was based on uh, fatalities in the VA. Um, and basically, it didn't take into account comorbidities, um, but it did ask questions about hydroxychloroquine. And they did put out a safety notice, as the FDA regularly does, um, about studies. But nevertheless, it's still out there. It's still something the FDA stands behind as saying, you know, if um, you are in the situation where you're prescribed by your doctor, it is something that you can use and have access to. So, you know, there's a lot of nuances, um, but those nuances are all too often left out of the coverage. Mm. I want to talk about Obamagate, or as the president says on Twitter, Obamagate with an exclamation point. Um, you know, he, he is 
really concerned about what happened to him and his campaign. Uh, he's laying a lot of the blame at President Obama's feet. Uh, I know you've been asked the question, you know, what is the crime here? I look back, he did tell Doug Weed, a presidential historian at one point during the, Doug Weed's book, uh, that he says, what was done to me was treasonous, is what he said. So is, is that a sense of the crime or what, what's going on here exactly? Yeah, I think you have to look at this in the context of questions and in the context of things that we know happened. So what we know happened is that Michael Flynn's identity was unmasked um, and it was leaked and it is a criminal offense to leak the identity of an individual like Michael Flynn, a private citizen to the, pre to the press mm -hmm. after being unmasked. So we know that a crime was committed. Who did it is the question. Uh, but there within are a lot the of, Obama administration. Within somewhere. the Obama administration, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. Um, but there are a number of other questions that need to be asked. There's more questions than there are answers in this, and the lack of journalistic curiosity is, is really something intriguing. But, mm -hmm. for instance, there was a January 5th Oval Office meeting. President Obama was there. Vice President Biden was there. Um, many others were there. Comey was there. Yates from DOJ. And the Department of Justice, Sally Yates, learned about the unmasking of Michael Flynn from President Obama. How peculiar that the DOJ would be learning about this from the sitting president, not the reverse. Um, how interesting that Jim Comey mentions the Logan Act in that, in that meeting, a statute never used to prosecute an American in its entire 200-year history, but it's brought up in, in the context of a meeting with President Obama. And then Susan Rice writes about this meeting on the day as she's rushing out of the White House on Inauguration Day, writes about this meeting and says oh, President Obama wants us to do this quote by the book. I mean, there are just so many questions. The DOJ will ultimately provide the answers, the Durham investigation, but um, I think the president's really trying to point out the questions and how, how unfortunate it was and unprecedented, to use the words of Attorney General Barr, that a sitting administration would unmask an incoming NSA advisor and leak his identity, and that a, a dossier funded by the Democrats would be used to spy on members of the Trump campaign. Do you think the media is carrying the Obama administration's or the former Obama administration's water here to a degree? When they don't ask the questions, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I have seen no coverage. It is a you know, just last week, we learned that political appointees, the former vice president, the secretary of treasury, the chief of staff in the Obama administration were unmasking. These are political individuals. These aren't intel officials. Right. Where were the stories about it? When we learned a few weeks before that, that Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, before investigators from the FBI approached them, they wrote a note pontificating whether they should get him to lie in order to get him fired or prosecuted, where were the stories about it? They liked to cover Michael Flynn when they thought he did something wrong, but when all of a sudden he's being set up and framed and entrapped, there's no coverage, there's no questions, and it's a disservice to the American people. As we wrap up, I just wanna ask you, you've been called a lot, of, we talked about this earlier, you've been called a lot of names out there. I mean, uh, they're already saying, I will not lie, and they're calling you a liar already. They're calling you other names, racist and a birther and all that type of stuff. How do you, what's your response to the critics that say all this stuff to you, about you? That I know the person I am, and I know what I stand for, um, and I stand as a Christian woman, someone who believes in equality and truth um, and loyalty and honesty, and it's the values I've lived by my whole life. It's the values I'll continue to live by, and people will malign you. Um, it comes with the job, but I know who I'm ultimately working for, and it's it's the big guy upstairs, and um, my mission in life is that when I pass, that I, he will look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant, and if I can end my life that way, it doesn't matter what the people say on the way there. Kaylee McEnany, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you.
That is Kaylee McEnady here on the Pod's Honest Truth. I tell you what, you got to appreciate uh, her for uh, sitting down with me. It was a, it was a nice extended interview. Once again, a lot of the interview you'll hear next week. Uh, everything from the double mastectomy that she had, her faith walk, uh, how she became a Christian, advice from Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, wor- uh, being a working mom. I mean, all of that, it, it's really fascinating. It's kind of like an evangelical bonanza. I kid you not. As a matter of fact, I don't know, we should have some sort of uh, sound effect for that. We'll, we'll come up with a sound effect for it next week. Uh, but have you also noticed, before we close, have you noticed that she is doing these daily White House briefings often? Why? Look, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. She's really, really good. Donald Trump really, really trusts her. And she is defending this president like really we haven't seen in a very long time uh, from the podium. Sarah Sanders was great. She was bless your heart. Sean Spicer, he was firm. Kaylee McEnany, both bless your heart, both firm. She's got an exclamation point. And oh, by the way, she comes with facts and turns the tables on the media every single day from the podium. And that, folks, is the Pod's Honest Truth. Until next time, America. America.